Okay. Well, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. welcome. Uh, I guess we're going to do a little bit of a pre-conversation. We're building towards the end of season one. Um, yeah, we already started talking a little bit about some ideas with uh, you know, Chris for season two. Um, but uh, yeah, you guys have to survive season one for us to <laughs> really develop a full plan. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, we're getting close. So we thought we'd take a moment, pause and uh you know talk with uh yeah everybody um yeah we're hoping seth will join us uh yeah oh yeah i guess for those of you in the podcast world if you can yeah i guess uh, uh justin is working on becoming an emt so you know wish him luck i know you probably won't hear this till after he's taken at least the first exam so just keep you know, crossing your fingers uh you know uh, and sending good vibes his way that he gets through i guess all of them um but yeah he won't be with us tonight hopefully seth will join soon so but with me tonight I have Chris, George, Rachel, and Sanjay. Um, and of course, I'm here as well. At least I think I'm here. Um, yeah, this could be all some sort of weird delusion. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, where everybody thinks things are going, You know, ideas uh-huh. that people have that uh, could get brought into the final battle. Um, yeah, I already have a lot of that mapped out, but uh, I'll be curious to see what uh, their, their experience has, has uh, for them. Uh I guess uh, everybody, let's roll initiative to see who I question first. <laughs> Wait, this is like rolling for a real life initiative? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, so I don't want my bonus, right? You, you so all, you all get a plus standard two. 20. <laughs> plus two for Dex. So, you know, actually, it doesn't give anybody advantage, but it does add two. Shall we, shall we roll low, right? <laughs> so, so I have Six. a bad, so this is So this is funny. I have advantage on um, on on initiative rolls because of the javelin of warning, but as a human, my first roll was a one. <laughs> so I I feel miserable. So I guess I get to sit back and listen to everybody. But my next roll was a nineteen. All right, <laughs> I rolled a six. Eight. We're I... all vying real hard here for these low numbers. Yeah. Well, I rolled a 19. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Sanjay, we will start with you and, and, and Cherik. And I guess, yeah, I'll kind of frame the questions as what does Sanjay think sometimes? And maybe also, yeah, what, what is Cherik? So, you know, uh, and yeah, uh, I guess we'll also take the room temperature to see where everybody is with listening to the uh, the re-edited you know, episodes. Um, so, you know, Sanjay, you know, you know that you're kind of enrolled in this you know, world-changing event as Cherik, um, yeah. You know, how is Cherik feeling? Is is he is he you know uh, afraid? Is he hopeful? You know, what 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 uh, you know, what are you know, what is that emotion driving Cherik to think about? Uh, Cherik is thinking right now. He 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 hasn't had a lot of the other uh, adventures that everybody else has. So he's been sort of in his own little village and world. So he I don't think he quite understands. If uh, what uh, what it might entail for outside, um, he he's more uh, really into making sure that his village is nice and safe, and and trying to trying to go and and, and defend that. So I think that's where his mind is. Um, I think this is probably one of the biggest uh, or the first battles that he's had. So or uh, so he. 
he's he's a little bit inexperienced in that as yeah, well. Yeah, well, so. yeah. You started off in heavy peril in that uh, first episode. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, um, I guess yeah. I think he is he is dreading seeing the dragon again. So. He... <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not the dragon. The dragon didn't hold him. It was, you know, I guess you, you'd probably be scared that, uh, oh gosh, uh, Talgon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for those of you who don't know, the, you know, if, if if you were guessing that Talgon, you know, uh, you know, got named because of that old soap commercial for, for uh, or no, uh, for Talgon, um, yeah. you know, the, 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 the bubble, bubble bath. bath. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that's how I got the name uh, for Talgon. <laughs> uh, was like, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, other stuff and like that would make a great D D name with a t um so uh i guess uh, it, what is cherik's kind of worldview on what's happening um you know yeah it it, it, it it he knows something big's brewing but uh it, you know does would he be aware that this is kind of a world ending possible uh, i don't think i don't think he i don't think he knows it's a world ending type thing he's more this is uh this is my village and i need uh it, it pretty much, if if everything doesn't go right, uh, my village is gone. Right, so uh, not sure. Uh, so I think that's that. And for him, that's probably is his world, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, that yeah, that would probably be a big thing for him. So flipping over to the Sanjay side of the coin, yeah, yeah what are, what are some some moments that you know Sanjay's either thinking maybe coming, hoping maybe coming, or dreading. <laughs> Maybe coming. Uh, I anytime I've gone, uh, I haven't had a chance to, or uh, with Cherik at least, uh, gone into much combat. So I, I think looking forward to that a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Uh, and seeing how uh, I, I think seeing how much havoc we can create. So. Yeah, yeah, no, especially yeah, with your spell sniper squad. Yeah, you, know, you, you should be you know pretty ready. Um, yeah, so yeah, I guess I know you listen to the the podcast. Um, yeah, is there any kind of moments that you think have been key for you know, that have led towards things that Ch- Cherik's had to do, um, or just even favorite moments playing Cherik? Um, I think the the last uh, the last one where we uh, we we got to go out and uh, uh, you know, yeah, go up to the altar and, and and do a little bit there. That was that was good. Um, it hasn't so. Uh, I think he's just looking to sort of spread his spell wings a little bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'd love to see see him get his sorcerer, uh, you know, uh, mojo going. So, yeah. So. Uh, all right. Excellent, Sanjay. So, Seth, we rolled for initiative. If you want to roll into the initiative, that would be awesome. Yeah, you know, and we're we're just doing kind of a little bit of interview part before we yeah you know, we'll do some role playing you know because uh, we're short Justin this evening so we'll, yeah we'll hit a couple of the points I'd hope to hit fairly quickly and vamp on them but uh, I think yeah you know, we can make them richer because yeah of course necessity is the mother of invention I took two ideas between finding out Justin wasn't coming and merged them together so we should have some fun with George in a bit. <laughs> How'd you do on the roll, Seth? He's still muted. Yes, yeah, that's talking like crazy. <laughs> I okay. got Nate. Got Nate. Okay, so yeah, you'll be going towards the middle. <laughs> oh, we both got Nate. So we, who has a higher dex? <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm in the middle with an eight? Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it 
was the roll low initiative, and a lot of us yeah. did well. And Sonia lost. That's why he went yeah. first. Yeah, and I don't uh, know. So, if so we're going golf for scores. once. I rolled well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Chris knows I'm holding him to his natural one. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going golf score. Got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. So George, you both have an eight. Rachel, you were a six. Yeah. Right? Okay. So um, yeah, who does have the, the the higher decks, or do we need to do a roll off? Uh, roll off is probably easier. Here we go. I have a three. I think you're a four. So I think you're good. Oh, all right, fine. All right, war so, it is. All right, so George, you know, it, slash Stanton, um, you know, you're down underneath the ground. Um, you know, let's talk with Stanton first, and <laughs> then we'll we'll you know, get oh, George's impression of what Stanton's thinking. So Stanton's oh, underground with with a whole bunch of kobolds and uh, um, you know a few druids, and then the rest of the party. Um, you know, outside is a world of hurt with monsters mixing with, you know, uh, you know, ar- armies of, you know, apparently halflings, um, but, uh, um, you know, as well as all kinds of monsters, ghouls and other things. Um, you know, what's Stanton feeling you know, right now? And, uh, um, you know, where, where, you know, where is his mind going as he tries to make sense of everything that's happening? Uh, Stanton has always had a sense of resignation about this whole adventure in one sense uh, all the choices he's made so far and the and how he's taking on this responsibility has always been so one sense of he that the end is not necessarily inevitable but the end is certainly predestined in a way that he cannot avoid uh, so he is accepting what's going to happen but if there are some things he can avoid have happened uh the whole anton bit which we'll probably get to in a whole it's probably a whole separate uh podcast unto itself uh that you know he's gonna he's gonna accept the way the fates went and the thing some of the reactions he's had has been because in some cases things weren't quite the way he pictured even though nonetheless they're going to arrive at the eventual end result he expects to see happen gotcha um so yeah i guess yeah what is that end result that he's expecting kind of what's his worst fear oh oh, his well his worst fear is end result two different things his worst fear is that he's going to fail and that everything that he is basically all the choices he's made his life and the way the thing's been directed and how everything was going it um would come to would would fail and that would be you know that's unacceptable i mean in terms of what the end result he hope is going to be is that he's you know uh so long as evil is defeated and that the 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 realm that uh he's been protecting for his children and and all the people he's cared for and and tended to as ruler uh stay safe even if it means he sacrifices himself to do it all right well hopefully it won't come to that but (laughs) well hopefully it won't come to that but but george is a little bit more you know realistic is that uh there's a lot of stuff going down that george doesn't quite understand even though now he's you know listened to podcasts several times to try and make sense of this and i keep thinking you're doing sneaky peek kind of stuff with anton i still can't make sense of and uh, on one hand as a parent i you know i I immediately think, you know, you know, I think of the old Monty Python bit. He's not the Messiah. He's a naughty boy. Uh, you know, that he, you know, Anton is, you know, the, the loose, the loose set of cannons running around this whole thing and make a whole mess of things. Uh, but also in one says George is kind of angry seeing how things are happening to Stanton and the rest of his party. And, you know, 
is wanting the fight to come down and, and hopefully that, that, you know, we prevail. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Well, yeah, the good news for you is that uh, Anton is not the Messiah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so. he's, he's a naughty boy. Here we go. That's right. Yeah. He, he is definitely a, um, self-guided in his uh, you know, right. world outlook. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It, yeah. You don't have to worry too much about that. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to go all, uh, you know, chosen one. <laughs> I, I know. But when we, th- when we think about the fact that we are all, we are all scout leaders playing this podcast, one of the things we all think about is that in one sense, you, you would be happy if all the youth you work with are self-guided. And many times uh, they think they're self-guided when the fact they're self-destructive or they are insensitive to other people. And I worry uh, in one sense of what Anton is doing is, you know, what he thinks is the right thing, but in many ways is the wrong thing. But in one sense, both Stanton and George aren't going to know exactly what happens until it happens. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's the fun thing about D and D is even I, as the DM don't have any idea of what's going to happen until it happens. I know where, yeah, what I'm going to lay down in front of you, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, you guys, sometimes when I think you're going to go around something, we'll go right over it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, through it. <laughs> Yeah, like in the uh, Tomb of Annihilation campaign, not a podcast, whole separate thing. But yes, yeah. we, we did just that. <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it, I guess look forward to see, yeah, because we're going to focus on the, you know, that relationship in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so let's see. I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah what, what do you think are, are some of the big things that could come out of the, the coming battle? Because we do have a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, what, yeah just thinking back on you know without me laying out you know here's some of the you well, know, your options uh, all right well some of, the, some of the stuff you've dropped already suggesting that that trenton has somehow trenton or someone in trenton's uh entourage has turned as signed the halflings up to commit to something that they are not necessarily uh by their very nature agreeing to do but in one but so one sense it may come to a point where hat where stanton and trenton are going to throw down and they're going to fight and one or both of them may die. Uh, halflings, in this case, may you know may be forced to make choices that they don't want to make. Uh, you know, and I think probably the biggest thing is you know, even if good prevails, how much will evil destroy in the process? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thinking about other things that are floating around out there on that battlefield, or even down here with you in the uh, the the. the um you know cave system of the kobolds um you know what what are you know i guess some potential things that uh you know stanton would uh, be spending his time thinking about you know is he concerned well, in, for- in, in, in one in one sense one of, the, one of the things is that a lot of the evil that the rest of the party has been fighting they've been fighting since episode one stanton has come in I want to say off the top of my head, episode 10. So there are still a lot of things that he doesn't necessarily know of from experience. He only knows of from history or from reference and so forth. So in one sense, he's still trying to pick up speed in terms of what's happening. He just knows that, uh, you know, it's to his best interest and the party's best interest that we all work together towards the common goal, which is, you know, close the portal, defeat evil, uh, save as many people as we can. So one sense he's reactive, but on the other hand, he's come to care for all these people deeply. And so, you know, it's going to hurt if we lose any of them, and hopefully, it will hurt as much if if he in turn were to were to uh, you know die at the end. Gotcha. 
So, you know, thinking back either as Stanton or as George, what has been one of your favorite moments of playing this particular character or be, being uh, being this character? <laughs> oh, that's tough because I, I think, again, in many ways, I think, you know, Stanton is kind of reacting to what is going around here. But I, I think in one sense, the, the whole, uh, you know, uh, Stanton solving 90% of the problems he faces with by basically cooking up a good meal seems to be a way to <laughs> solve a lot of problems. And uh, most people, aware, before recording a podcast, we were all talking about cooking horror stories that we've experienced with boys and girls in our troops. <laughs> so uh, I, I think the, the ability to gather people around a good meal and experience fellowship is something that I think is hopefully one of the things that people are going to take away is the values we're all sharing as you know, being on this podcast, I, I guess in terms of dramatic moments, I think the, the dramatic moments I'm going to save are haven't actually happened yet. Ah, all right. Very good. Very good. All right. So, uh, yeah, um, I believe our initiative now takes us to you, Seth. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so you kind of caught on to the concept of what we're doing right now, Seth. Yeah, I think I, th- I think I got it. <laughs> so yeah, I guess yeah. Um, let's we'll talk we'll talk about Seth first. Then we'll talk. Yeah, we'll flip and have you think about it, th- things from Corin's perspective. Um, so I guess uh, yeah. Let's. I guess we just finished with George's favorite moment. What, what has been your favorite moment uh, about uh, playing Corin so far? Corin has been unlike any other like character I've ever actually played. Um, First and foremost, being blind and having that puzzle of trying to help him interact with the world that he can't see. Um, And then going through the perspective also of he is a caster who doesn't cast. So (laughs) it's not that I avoid casting, it's just in order for him to interact, he interacts through his animals where he feels most comfortable. so I can't really say that there is a singular moment uh, that really stands out to me as this This is like pinnacle Corin, because being able to play just the constant, consummate animal uh, throughout the team, being kind of the team pet, the mount, the um, whatever else I, role I take on with every animal shape that I gather. Um, I, I've had a lot of fun with that. I mean, if I had to, I guess actually, if I had to pick a singular moment that I thought was like the pinnacle, um, when I initially designed Corin, I designed him based on my, my son. Uh, and one of the things that he has done, and he holds to the justice and the rules of the world very tightly and closely. So when in the podcast, you detain the group, um, it was the first time I got to really pull out my son's perspective on what was happening um, and really kind of go through, okay, what would he do in this instance? How would he respond to being unjustly detained? And that whole scene that follows with Oren just burning through every single thing that he could do to get himself out of there uh, to get payback for what happened. Um, and then just that complete shutdown at the end when he realizes that it's not necessary, that, that there was nothing really held against him and kind of that complete fall off that, that, that instance that, that like episode and a half that we did um, really kind of 
it, it really, I think that really kind of exemplifies how his character is. And I thought I had the most fun doing that. Um, oh, awesome. I see Chris, I see your hand is up. Yeah. So some of you guys know, I know Seth's son. Um, I was a scout master for a while. So watching that from Seth's point of view was a lot of fun for me because I've seen that. I've seen that happen. So one thing that I did with Thandor, I don't know if you wait. Remember, I, I, that was one of my favorite moments. It wasn't the favorite moment, but when Thandor went on, someone stealing his pants rant. But he had this <laughs> simple solution of walking through the door. And Seth even says, wait, you never told us that, that you can do that. But that's kind of Thandor's MO, right? He waits for people to ask him something. But that's one thing, you know, knowing Seth and how he's playing his character that I wanted to do, too, is to demonstrate that to his son, who I know listens to the podcast. Hello. Mm -hmm. um, yes, is, he does. Um, is who else is there to help you? And what are some other solutions that may not be you doing the solution all the time? So that's why Thandor kind of waited to Misty Step. And then Misty stepped through the door because that's the simple solution, right? But he burnt through every possibility to get through that. And I wanted to give him that opportunity to do that because I know that's what that character would do in real life. So it was it was interesting <laughs> to do that. And I don't know if Seth and I have ever talked about it in that much detail. I know we talked about that, that, that scene before, but I don't know if we've ever talked about why Thandor waited. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting to get that perspective, you know, on that, you know, and yeah, I, I don't know your son very well, Seth, but I do know one of the moments that I thought was kind of really real was just before you guys uh, you know, were able to get into the Temple of Veritas. Um, you know, you guys were outside and Omega mm -hmm. was up top taunting you from above and he tossed down some, um, <laughs> oh gosh, what are those little stones? The uh, the, yeah, the good berry things, or yeah, um, the, 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 yeah, they're just rocks the, that do one to three, or one to four, yeah, well, you know, um, yeah, damage. They're little magical stones. I guess I think that may even be the name of them. Yep. Uh, and you, you, you know, your your first instinct was like, okay, this dude's being rude. Uh, chuck one right back. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, that was, and in fact, yeah, I didn't at the time give you inspiration for that. So that's why you're getting inspiration going into our kind of final battle. And, you know, just to circle back for everybody, you know, um, yeah, Sanjay, you know, for you, you get the inspiration for, you know, uh, uh, you know um, having the very awkward and yet earnest conversation with Anton outside, not knowing who he was, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, dealing with just all his oddness with very kind and generous uh, um, yeah, uh, patience. <laughs> as you eventually brought him in and yeah, yeah, George, yeah, I, I will yeah, have to say that uh, yeah, your inspiration is you definitely have played, you know, to a T, um, you know, all of the, the, you know, the um, history that isn't really truly there, but that uh, yeah, you and Omega had you know, over, over, over the years, because he feels the same way Stanton does towards Stanton <laughs> that Stanton feels towards Omega. Um, yeah. So very good. So yeah, uh, Seth to circle, I guess, back to the, the corn side of things. Yeah, where, where, where does corn think a lot of this is going? What, what are, you know, his, his thoughts on, you know, uh, you know, where is his mind going as well as, you know, what, what are his hopes and or fears? Well, let me finish off actually my previous train of thought oh, sure. and then I will answer that question. Okay. So yep. unfortunately, and fortunately, this is a podcast. So you guys didn't actually see my, my screen when 
we were actually going through that scene anywhere from when Corrin goes bare form and tries to tackle the skeletal giant to backing in, being the last one in, and all of those incidents that led up to this whole great ex like expanse of telling st the story through Corrin's eyes, his shape-shifting and like his spaz out in the jail cell and everything. All right. By the time we got to seeing Omega, I was so excited because we finally got to really put my son in the story. When I polymorphed into the woolly mammoth, I was cheering on my side, not because it was relevant or I'd get to do anything with it, but just because that was like the culmination of my son and just his level of frustration would have peaked the moment he saw that person that triggered it. So just I was that, that was just one moment where the story just worked out perfectly and I got to see like the full emotional swing of my son in the story and what the the character Corin was supposed to be. Yeah, and good good news for you is we have video of that, so we can we can go back <laughs> and pull that out. <laughs> so, um, awesome, awesome. So yeah, now now to the other now, question, now to the Corin. So Corin's world is very small. Um, and what I've tried to focus on is hit the people he can touch because his world has been dark for so long. Um, as a, a druid ejected from his grove when he first started, um, as a blind child who essentially ran away from home and ran away from everything that was supposed to teach him how to be. Um, he's been kind of up until the beginning of our story, living in a very scared, dark world by himself. Um, latching on to Fezzik and Thandor, he kind of starts to see that there is more to the world. There are people out there who actually truly want to help him. So at this point in time, to answer your question, I don't think he's really concerned with anybody outside of Stanton, Cherik, Fezzik, and Thandor, but most specifically Fezzik and Thandor. Mm -hmm. So there are there are a couple scenes throughout the thing. Like one of the things that um I tried to use as a as a way to express his connection to Fezzik and Thandor was when we were walking through the portal to the Orc homeland. And Corin would have walked through with Thandor, but he was trying to hold Fezzik's hand. He wanted to be with Fezzik. Um, and I think, so his world, um, while in his animal forms, yes, he can see, but his world is really when he is Corrin and the defenseless gnome, it's really those four people that are right there. So yes, he knows there's a war going around him. Yes, he knows probably that this stuff above him is like really, really important. But I don't think he can mentally grasp the concept of an entire world hanging in the balance. The only thing that matters to him is what happens to his, his grove, the grove that goes with him. Mm -hmm. right. And so I, I honestly believe that he would be the first one in, the last one out. Uh, I've been waiting for the fight with Talgon, uh, knowing that at some point in time, Corrin is going to see Talgon, see what he's doing to his friends. And everything that he tried to dump onto that one orc in the hallway outside the jail cell mm -hmm. is going to get funneled tenfold straight at Talgon. To whatever end comes out, he won't care. 
Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, that, that uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, that's one of the things I really love about Corn is the fact that, yeah, not that he's predictable because, yeah, that that's not <laughs> the case, <laughs> but that he, yeah, you do have a sense of the character, yeah, that, yeah, it, yeah, you know, there is so much good in him, but that there is also just this world has put yeah you know, put put some fears into him. Um, that uh, yeah, that you know, when those two kind of don't uh, the match with the situation, that yeah, you know, we get we get some awesome moments as well as just yeah you know, some some heroic you know, things that yeah you know, all of us you know the whole you cannot be brave without without being afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that yeah, that shows exactly how brave corn yeah corn is. So one of the things that I used to tell my son is actually a quote from a movie. Uh, I I won't name its name, um, but um, was it bravery is not the absence of fear; it's the realization that something is more important, and that's something that I try to remind him about anytime he gets scared or anytime um, something's really not going his way. It's, it's okay to be fearful. It's okay to, to be uncertain, but you have to realize that there is something more important that needs to be addressed. And sometimes that's what you have to focus on. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fezzik. I think that brings us to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess yeah. Since we've been kind of flip flopping back and forth, let's talk about Fezzik's, uh, you know, kind of thoughts about the world as it stands right now, and then we'll talk, yeah, with Rachel uh, herself about, uh, um, you know, where Rachel thinks some of this is going. So yeah, I guess uh, the, uh, Rachel delving into Fezzik's uh, yeah, brain. What did you know? You know, where are his his concerns, and uh, um, yeah, what is he prepared to do? So Fezzik is not one for foresight and he doesn't, well, he realizes, you know, war's going on, blah, blah, blah. Um, it doesn't bother him. It, he, he very much is like a go at the flow. Um, doesn't really think ahead a lot to the future. Just, you know, it's like what comes comes and he's okay with that. Um, so regarding the battle, like for him, the excitement is all these like little, little battles that they're having and, you know, getting to be sneaky or getting to do something different and and watching his friends do some crazy things, like, that's exciting for him. The rest, like, the reasons why and where it's going doesn't really matter. Like, he has not thought ahead to say, wow, like, if this, you know, big bad guy takes over the world, what's going to happen to us? It's just like, ah, I doubt it'll happen. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have the uh, the uh, Dungeons and Dragons equivalent of a four hundred one k plan and a cottage uh, by a lake. He does not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, what? Yeah, knowing the facts that you guys have been presented with, does he have any uh, specific fears about what may be coming in the battle? Hang on one second, Dave. Sure, sure. My littlest one just left his glasses at a friend's house. Ah. He just got them Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I guess, to be expected. I mean, yeah, I, 
Yeah, I think before you do, yeah, maybe you were on at the time. I was saying that, like, I was losing my glasses all weekend. So <laughs> that doesn't go away. All right, Dave, can you re-ask that question? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Fezzik, you know, knows at least what Fezzik has kind of seen unfolding outside the Cobalt's home there at the uh, Gateway of the Gods. Um, what, uh, the, what are, where is his brain going to, this is something that has to be dealt with? Um yeah, what what are it? Yeah, I know you're saying he doesn't plan too far ahead, but yeah, we all have some sort of fear or something that uh, we're hoping is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. about hoping to happen. <laughs> I want to vanquish. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Corin's very clearly you know, uh, targeting. Yeah, uh, going directly after Talga. Yeah, I, I mean. I don't know if he has any hopes of who it is that he's going to fight or, or destroy or rid the world of or anything like that. He doesn't follow gods. And so to him, it's just like, this is just some mean bully. He's not like viewing him as anything bigger than that. Um, and while yes, he needs to be stopped. It's not like he doesn't have this pressing, you know, in all his years, he doesn't feel that pressure of, my, my life is coming to an end. You know, I'm getting older in age, so I need to make this place a better world. In his mind, he's like, we got plenty of time. <laughs> like, we will take care of this. And, and it will just happen as it happens and not feel the rush. So when it comes to, like, decision making and stuff, a lot of times he just waits for Thandor because he's like, yeah, you know, okay, we can do whatever. So he kind of waits for Thandor to make those decisions of where are we going to go? Um, who are we going to beat up, you know, who are mm -hmm. we going to kill because how it happens and the method it happens and how fast it happens is completely lost on Fezzik. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think, yeah. um, Weird question. <laughs> this is a weird, yeah. You guys have been out adventuring for quite some time. What's the one thing that Fezzik thinks that he left at home? Not yeah, not like the curling iron was on or anything like that. But uh, what, uh, yeah, what what did he wish he had brought with him? Oh, good question. A good pillow. No, just <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because they did kind of skedaddle pretty darn fast. A um, second coffee pot. A second coffee pot, better coffee beans. Well, you guys did, did eventually <laughs> My pick up cup. a French press. Yeah, so you should have a non-French press and a French press. <laughs> um, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. Maybe Fezzik has a stuffy that he really loves. <laughs> <laughs> that he couldn't leave it, you know, that he had to leave it at home because he just was so fast to get out. Yeah, you know, Fezzik, Fezzik doesn't have a lot of possessions. Um, he spent a lot of time roaming prior to meeting Thandor and you know, when he settled in that little town, finally, he was roaming a lot. So he doesn't have a ton of possessions. Um, I would probably say um, he, you know, he cared greatly about his family who were killed by the orcs. And like his whole village was wiped out, basically. Um, so I'm sure Fezzik has some mementos that he picked up in his home. Mm. And, you know, little thing that reminds him about his parents or, you know, a sibling. So those are ty the types of things he would have left because he would have wanted them to stay safe and he didn't expect to be on the road nearly as long as he's been on the road. Mm -hmm. um, he figured a couple days he'd be back. So probably those prized possessions that remind him of 
where he came from um, would be the things that he probably misses the most. Yeah. Well, yeah. The good news for you is you were from a very nice village other than they were suspicious, I guess. Um, and yeah, you don't have your own version of the Sackville Baggins is just waiting to get your hands on <laughs> their hands on your, on your hobbit holes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, thinking of prize stuffies. Yeah. This is my, my owl. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 I, th- I think, you know, each person here has their favorite critter. Uh, <laughs> so um yeah let's see uh oh so yeah so switching over to the rachel side what yeah what wh- where do you think you know like uh the, this journey is taking fezzik from a uh <laughs> a rachel perspective so so i like where fezzik is going honestly like this is probably the first character i've actually played as like a character you know i've cared about what the character is and where he's going and even then it took me a little while to kind of get into that and find fezzik um but, you know, Fezzik was kind of a grump in the beginning, and he's loosening up. Um, he's becoming more gnomish, I guess you could say, because uh-huh. they tend to be more carefree, and he wasn't so much in the beginning. Um, so I like, like, where the storyline is taking him and allowing him to find who he was before the devastation happened to his village. Um you know, it's kind of like going home, right? He's he's finding himself. He's finding his place in the world, and he's finding friends that that suit him. Um, Corin has helped a lot with that, you know, because Corin is playful as well and has helped Fezzik open up. Um, whether it's because we're tormenting Dandor or not, <laughs> <laughs> well, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah. Unsupervised with, with, with a charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also the fact that we get to torment Stanton too. I mean, you <laughs> totally opened the door for us to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Stanton, I don't know if you figured it out, but you picked up two more kids. <laughs> Just two more, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I won't you tell know. you Leo, which one's which. Corin can play with it as a cat. <laughs> oh, bother. Yeah. So, Rachel, oh. I guess that leads to the question I've been asking everybody, which is, you know, what has been your favorite moment playing, you know, uh, yeah, Fezzik? Um, so, it honestly it's probably it's not a funny moment as much as i would like to say it's a funny moment definitely rolling the head around for corn to play with as a cat was hilarious <laughs> but um it was honestly character development wise it would be um thanking and giving his trust to marcus so for corin i mean i'm sorry for fezzik that was really big and you know in my head right i'm like at some point, Fezzik's going to have to get over Marcus, right? Like, mm-hmm. because he's here to stay <laughs> as much as I try to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. I think you guys finally caught into my theme of, you know, the, the world being a big place that includes yeah, most everybody. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily people that are acting badly. <laughs> um, so, you know, in my head, I was like, this has to happen at some point. And I, I, I struggled, honestly struggled with it because I was like, at what point is Fezzik going to be like, I'm okay with this guy, you know, because there was nothing that really made him stand out amongst everybody else until that battle and that moment. And I was like, you know what? I'll say he put his life on the line and Fezzik would have realized that. 
So um, him stepping up and admitting that he was, I wouldn't say wrong, right? Because what was done to his village was wrong. And, um, but just admitting that they aren't all the same mm-hmm. was a big deal for him. Um, it was a big growing point for Fezzik. Yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, I was hoping we'd grow towards it naturally. And it seems like we did. So yeah, that, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. All right, Thandor. <laughs> yeah. You need a moment? Nope, I'm good. Ready okay. Go. So, um, yeah, I guess we, for Thandor, let's start with the, with that question. What what has been your favorite moment playing Thandor so far? I just I love Thandor. Right. <laughs> um, he's fun to play because he's unlike any character I, I really play. Um, we saw this Wednesday when we played a game. I love nothing more than sticky, you know, stabby stabby's hide. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what I that's what I enjoy doing. Um, my favorite moment probably is is, is, is a, the same exact thing, but on two different people, one being on George and um, one being on our centaur friend, um, Justin, when I just load into questions, right? And they're nonstop questions that sometimes I prepared, sometimes I'm writing them <laughs> as, as they're answering, but just the unpreparedness of them, right? So it is somebody you just met starts asking you a thousand questions. Um, and it's not from a bad place. Thandor really is writing a book of his journey, right? He's doing the Bilbo Baggins. Um, this is what's happening, and this is what I've seen. He's led a very sheltered life in the in 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 his clan um, once he got taken in. So all this is interesting to him. So he's learning. Um, so that that's probably his favorite part is just the whole journey of you know talking to giants, running into a centaur, running to an owl, running to all these different creatures he had no idea existed. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. And yeah, I think that's kind of the, you know, my favorite moments is is when we do crash into that new thing, Thandor's reaction to it, because it's not always predictable. (laughs) Yeah, and in fact, yeah, yeah, you're really good at setting up things. So so like, where's my pants? They're right there. (laughs) Um, They're folded and pressed. It's... It's fun to listen, Chris, play Thandor, though, because in this case, as we think about the the kids, the youth we work with in the program, he reminds you of so many 11 or 12-year-old kids who do not have this filter. And so it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And you just, you know, how do you channel that energy into into, how do you answer questions? You just deal with it. And it's just so it's, it's so much fun to work with Chris as we're doing these things. And of course, as a result, 90% of the time, he comes up with a solution that none of us really thought of, you know, I, but of course, it usually means too that everyone else has gotten out of jail cell. And I'm sitting there going, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's right. We have magic. <laughs> yeah. That, that was one of the most entertaining moments when we all realized that independently, three of us could just walk right through the door <laughs> and that the jail cell was really irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. No, and yeah, you know, I, I, I felt, I felt a little bit guilty about kind of like, you know, I, I needed to, to, to divert the story in a different direction slightly. Um, yeah, yeah, partly because of you know where the story had gone, and uh, partly because of some places it hadn't gone. 
Um, you know, so you know, putting you all in jail, like it solved a lot of problems, but you guys handled it in a uh, very different and actually much more spectacular way. Because <laughs> I was imagining, you know, you know, I guess think episode one, you know, Senate, you know, like the, the Senate meeting. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that, that would have been my idea. So, yeah, I guess yeah, I'm yeah, no better than George Lucas. Thankfully, you guys are smarter than the actors that played those scenes out. <laughs> As, as if like you know, we're telling an important story here. No, no, yeah, nobody cares about the uh, yeah, yeah, the, the old republic's <laughs> senatorial procedures. We just want to declare war on the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you know, uh, Chris, uh, the, yeah, I guess let's start with uh, Thandor. What what are what, you know, what's Thandor you know, fearing? What's he you know dwelling on as you guys kind of prepare for? You know, whatever the chaos is that's going to happen outside. So I, I think Fandor, and to be honest, I haven't caught up on our pod on some of the podcasts because I don't want to metagame and uh-huh. I don't want to know certain things from Thandor's point of view. Um, I want Thandor, what you guys are going to get on the podcast is going to be, because I know so some of you guys may not know DM Dave does add stuff into the podcast that we don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I like the, I like Thandor to be shocked when he finds something. So sometimes what you're hearing from me is legit, right? It's the, it's the, oh, wow. What just happened? Um, I had no idea that so-and-so was creating their own army. Right. Um, but I, I, I think Thandor is really, he's confused and he's not sure what his place is in this upcoming war. He's a servant of Jord. He's talked to avatars of Jord or something similar that's connected with her, so he seems. Um, but yet she hasn't spoken to him directly. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know what his role is. So I think he's a bit confused going in. I think he knows this is his path, but he's not sure what he is supposed to do on his path. But be with the party that he's with right now. Um, interesting enough, he's rarely we rarely use Thandor for what we really need him for, right? Thandor's our cleric mm-hmm. and he hasn't thrown down a lot of healing spells. He's done a few, but he's not the healing machine that he's actually is on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's looking, I don't want to say the word he's looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> Cause that means you guys get hurt. I really want to work with the wounded <laughs> and but, I don't care yeah. if they need to be wounded to, you know, you know by me to, to do it. <laughs> I don't think we've really seen Thandor at his potential yet, right? His healing ability. Um, we, we saw him turn an undead, but we really haven't seen the life cleric of him come out. Gotcha. So, so, so he's a little confused of what his role is. Um, he enjoys this group. I, I would say that he he's having fun. He's having you know the experience of his lifetime, and he will tell stories for centuries about what he learned. Awesome. Yeah. So now thinking, you know, flipping that coin and, you know, what are, what are Chris's hopes for uh, Thandor or, or fears for him? Um, so I, th- that he's on the wrong side, I think. What if we are fighting on the wrong side? What if Jord is the one who's pulling the strings and we just don't know? Um, I think that's what would, what might be my biggest fear for him would be. Um, because then there's a crisis for him, right? So what does he do? Does he lose all his cleric powers right then and there because he's going to side with what he thinks is right, or does he turn on his friends? Um, 
So I think that would be the hard decision to make at that point. Mm, yeah, no, I think, no, I think that, I think, I think truly his faith is so devout. He would turn on his friends. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's, that's the hard decision to make. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, I know one of the things you, you know, said very, very early on is that your hope would be that you could convert your friends to following George. So that, right. you know, um, yeah, it definitely, that uh, set out a uh, kind of a packing order that, you know, yes, my friends are very important, but you know, George is the all important. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, now that you mentioned it that way, I can see that from you know, what we've laid out. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, if you guys actually do survive the big final battle, this is a question for the entire group. Um, we will, we we will survive <laughs> the battle. All of us will survive the battle. Just saying. I make no promises there. I, I've already kind of contemplated some of Corin's actions, and not all of them end up pretty. Yeah, no, yeah, Seth. Yeah, I, I you know, but while I am never gunning for a particular character. Um, oh yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> oh yes. Wait, wait, wait. All right, let's put it on the table. It wouldn't be the first time you've killed my character. Right. Okay. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Is like you seem to put yourself in the exact niche. It's like, why are you putting yourself? there i'm going to have to have the big bad guy kill you <laughs> but that did set up the for for all of those that are listening we some of us play on another game and uh seth i think we've spoken about this on the podcast before seth's main character died mm-hmm. uh, but it set it up perfectly for uh, another adventure that we're doing for the so well, everybody in the world was like worried about themselves we're worried about resurrecting Seth's character. That's all we really care about at the end of the day. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's not what the module really is or the campaign really supposed to be. Which but frustrates Dave, Dave to no end. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it so, added another layer to the story that we're telling as a group. Right. And I think yeah. that is a lot of fun. So I will add in one thing that just listening to the five of us on the call so far, um, and we have had some wonderful moments over the last year and a half playing these characters and playing through this campaign. And there have been some absolutely hysterical moments and some moments that are totally frustrating. (laughs) Um, But I just want to point out that each of us actually picked out not the moments that made it hysterical or interesting, but picked out either specific moments where we truly got to show how our character grew Um, or that stretch of what makes our character important, which I can't speak for the rest of you, but in my case, it's most D&D games I get into. Okay, here's my character. He's rolled on a sheet. I'm playing him. Um, Oh, yeah, he's supposed to have this background, so I guess I'll play it this way. We don't usually stick with the games long enough that the true background, the true history that makes up that person really become relevant but after the year and a half we've played together and just watching how we've grown and interacted with each other every ounce of that history i mean all the way down to corin's being ejected from a grove that we haven't even decided on a name for yet (laughs) but we knew it was a pivotal part in his growth and who he became we've watched all of us have picked that moment and that time where we can sit there and see our characters taking these leaps forward as the most important parts of the story to us. 
And I just want to build on that thing again, thinking about the fact that one of the things we pitch when we talk about this podcast and the way we play is we're all scout leaders. We all work with young people and so forth. And in many cases, this reflects the moments we see all the young people and the new adults coming in the program that basically go and grow from this point. And we see that growth and we see develop and we've come to admire, respect and, you know, uh, you know, they become our friends and our extended families. We see these things happen. So one case, you know, we all take a certain amount of pride in seeing how these characters have lived beyond just the numbers and the stats we've put down on the character sheets and how they all interact with each other. Just like the way all the youth we work with interact and grow as a result of working with each other. Yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, no, it's inter interesting. And the, I think the fun thing about for, you know, the, playing the DM you know, um, you know, is it? Let's me do some of the the NPCs, and yeah, Anton hasn't had to grow. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, um, I do yeah. want to do a shout out to the youth on the uh, NYLT staff twenty two dash two from last summer. Um, I got to work with these young youth this summer, and I think most of them listened to the podcast. Oh, awesome. um, so they were they were actually talking about it, or. I think they may have listened to a couple episodes that, on, on a downtime on one of the evenings. So if you guys are listening, hope to work with you guys again this summer. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, that reminds me. I wanted to do a shout out. My my nephew, Nick, apparently listens. Um, you know, so Nick, if you're out there listening, you know, uh, you know welcome. You know, uh, and uh, yeah, we've, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll chat with you because you know, I know you've kind of been interested in D&D &D in a bit. But uh, um, yeah, so uh, I guess, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening for everybody who listens. Uh, but, uh, you know, especially, you know, those that, uh, you know, kind of we know personally, it's, it's good to interact with you. And if you don't know us already, we're all pretty approachable. So, uh, uh, you know, especially if you come to Roundtable. <laughs> Dave's plug right there. <laughs> come to Roundtable. Notice my lips never moved the entire time he said that. It's great. Yeah. I, I learned from the master. We're giving them the will to do and the skill to do. <laughs> Can I give my shout out then? Shout yeah, out to Andrea. Absolutely. Andrea, when we first met in person, she turned to me and she's like, you're Fezzik. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, I am. I don't know you. <laughs> so thank you, Andrea, for listening. I love that you do. Yeah. yeah. And Andrea, so, just so you know, we are still trying to figure out how to get you on with us at some point. <laughs> that would be that, awesome. That happened, at my wood, yeah. that happened at my wood badge course where I was sitting down talking to a, a group of leaders. And uh, one of the leaders sat down and told me he was listening to one of these D&D podcasts. And he really liked it. And um, one of his friends, Dave Rockwell, was running the podcast. Like, oh, really? <laughs> Um, we talked for a couple minutes. He's like, oh, I was like, oh, well, that, that's kind of cool because I'm Corin. He's like, oh. And the circle is whole. I think if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that is Andrea's husband, David. So. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, two random different, different pathways. Um, Sanjay, George, any shout outs? I've had members of my family claim that they've heard the podcast, but when quizzed upon it, they don't necessarily re respond with the right answers. But uh, <laughs> this is this is their chance to redeem themselves. Uh, it's available in a number of sources. Uh, Dave could probably run through the list at the end of this episode. Uh, 
Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah. George's family, you know, one of the things that you could do if you'd like <laughs> to, to really show that you, you, you love dad is, uh, yeah, uh, go on to Amazon or not Amazon Apple and uh, give us a five-star review. And this actually can go for any of the, uh, the, the, the audience as well. Yeah. Those, those really help us get, you know, um, you know, noticed a bit more. So, you know, um, you know, and, oh, I guess, yeah, shout out to George, uh, uh, Fulda, yeah, he has been an awesome supporter of the show, and he was, you know, our 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 number two fan in terms of like giving us the yeah you know, the second person to give us a five star rating on Apple. Um, so uh, and you know George is also a, a, a you know, plays D and D with uh, Rachel and I, and you know I guess we're just about to wrap up a descent into Avernus. Um, so we're trying to decide what to play next in that game. Um, so yeah, th- thank you for everybody that listens. Um, Sanjay, how about you? Any any uh, shout outs? Well, my sons say that they have listened to a few episodes, but uh, uh, I'm going to shout out to uh, a group of leaders that I met at Bayshore for summer camp this past year because they, uh, they, they, uh, I gave them the link and they said that they definitely want, were going to start listening. So, yeah. And oh, I guess, yeah, one other group to give a shout out to is apparently our number two country that we're popular in is Germany. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, U.S. is number one. Yeah, yeah, Germany is number two, and then we have a whole bunch of you know in the less than one percent. You know, Canada, Australia. Oh, you got to do it correctly and say Doncaster. <laughs> yes, Doncaster. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, but uh, you know, Hungary popped on the map this summer. So I'm assuming that's my my nephew Nick. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, yeah, he was uh, visiting his grandparents in Hungary. Um, yeah, um, so uh, shout out to you know if you if you are in Hungary, send me a direct message on, on Twitter. Um, you know, I'd love to meet you if you're not Nick, but you know, even if you are Nick, I've, I've met you. But yeah, you know, we we can hang out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and as uh, a reminder to our listeners, also feel free to share the podcast out if you know anybody who's interested or curious about. What happens when you put four scout leaders in the same or five or six of us in the same room with a DM who's trying to confuse us? It's really entertaining to see what we come up with. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you're wondering how to really, you know, uh, you know show your love for the show, our T Public store <laughs> has all kinds of awesome stuff that'll be in the show links. Um, for that. But as George discovered, yes, we do have t-shirts um, with the gateway of the gods on them. Um, they're very comfortable. Uh, they, yeah, they're, they're 100% cotton, or at least the one I got was. Um, and uh, it's it's very nice. Um, you, know, I, you know, I love it. And, uh, you know, um, we, yeah, I guess to do the other bits of, of uh, you know, uh, we do have a Patreon. It's you know, patreon.com slash leaders in with the, the, the letter N, you know, legacies. And then, oh gosh, what's the other thing? We're leaders in legacy on Twitter. Yeah, they have a 15 character limit. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, the other shout out I always give as part of the, the legal warnings is yeah, while we're not affiliated with you know uh, the Boy Scouts of America or uh, Wizards of the Coast, we highly recommend you get involved <laughs> with both of them. You will have a lot of fun. And if you're not having fun, you know, reach out. Something's not being done right. <laughs> and you know, it should be fun and a great environment to do both of those things in. Um, all right. So yeah, I guess yeah, since we're, yeah, we're, we're only going to play for a little bit tonight, you guys ready to dive in and see where this takes us? Or does anybody else have any parting shots they want to get in because this is yeah the last chance that we have at least till the next time <laughs> to talk directly to the audience mm-hmm. 